0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of Yourself to us through Your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for You in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. We're in the final Sunday of Ordinary Time for Year C. Next week, we'll have the Solemnity of Christ the King, and then from there, we'll enter into Year A of the three-year cycle. So it's only fitting on the penultimate Sunday of year C that we hear from the final prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi. You'll notice in your Bible that the book of Malachi, which is our first reading this weekend at Mass, is the final book before the start of the New Testament, and with good reason, because after the time of Malachi, there was about 400 years of prophetic silence up until the arrival of John the Baptist. In Malachi's time, people were wondering where God's justice had gone. The rich only seem to be getting richer, and the wicked seem to be the ones coming out on top. Malachi's response is that a day is coming when all the proud and all the evildoers will be stubble. But for you who fear my name, says the Lord of hosts, there will arise the sun of Justice with its healing rays. A winged sun disk was a very common image at the time of Malachi. It was ubiquitous because so many other religions worshipped the sun as a god. In fact, if you type... Winged Sun Disc into Google, you'll see images that you'll no doubt recognize and probably associate with ancient Egypt. Many scholars believe that this is what Malachi has in mind when he describes the Son of Justice with its healing rays. Of course, Malachi doesn't believe, as these other religions did, that this winged sun was its own god, but rather that the Lord of hosts will have the Son of Justice arise with healing in its wings. We've got some people up to no good in our second reading from St. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. He mentions that he's heard, Some are conducting themselves among you in a disorderly way, by not keeping busy, but minding the business of others. There's actually a play on words here that we miss with our English translation. St. Paul says that some are not working, ergo zomenos, but rather are in a sense working around, peri ergo zomenos. Workarounders might be a better way of visualizing this word in Greek. And a workarounder is someone whom we all know, a person who likes to be all up in your business and you just want to tell them, you know, mind your own beeswax. Why are these people not working, but rather working around? It could be that they thought Jesus was coming back at any minute and thus didn't see the need to work. Or it could be that they thought Jesus had already come back. And so what's the point of working? Or it could be that there were just some lazy Christians among the group in Thessalonica for whatever reason. Paul lays out what some describe as the golden rule of work. If anyone was unwilling to work, neither should that one eat. It's a pretty accepted standard, right? He concludes the thought by saying that such people should work quietly and eat their own food, an idiom for earning one's own living. Just like last weekend, Jesus is once again in the temple area in Luke's Gospel. Only this time, he's going to talk about the temple itself. Some people are admiring the temple's beauty with its costly stones and votive offerings. Back in 20 B.C. or so, Herod the Great decided he wanted to refurbish Jerusalem's temple. But like that kitchen remodel, it just dragged on forever, and even in Jesus' day, this project was still going on. In fact, the temple's reno wasn't totally completed until about 62 A.D., an 80-year renovation, more or less. Nevertheless, as the people are ooing and awing at the temple, Jesus predicts that The days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. This shocks some of Jesus' hearers, because the people of Israel saw a parallel between the temple in Jerusalem and the universe as a whole. And many items and locations in the temple, such as the Holy of Holies or the Menorah or the Twelve Loaves of Showbread, each had significance in relation to the known universe at the time. So when Jesus starts talking about the temple's destruction... The link to the destruction of the entire world was at the forefront of everyone's mind. Jesus gives more general details about what the destruction will entail. He describes powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues. However, his main point in all of it is to provide encouragement to his followers. He concludes by telling them that they will be hated by all because of his name, but not a hair on their head will be destroyed. It's a phrase that's used both by King David and King Solomon in 2 Samuel and 1 Kings, respectively. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.